Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first-ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, Graham Marshall, the Alvin Kamara Apology Parade, and BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And for the first time in forever, everyone's on the show. We have the Duck Father, Foreteller, Devontae Parker's breakout, DK Metcalf's number one admirer and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, Scotty Miller fanboy, Mule Skinner of the Zach Ertz decline wagon, King Lizard of the Alan Lazard hype terrarium, the Coach Whisperer, the Wine Sipperer, the Will Disleyer working girl Jordan Smith, and finally the sunken lieutenant of the SS Deshaun Jackson, loather of Adam Gase, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob Jacob Handelstick, and thinks your favorite favorite uh, team is run by donkeys, the ginger uh, stubble man, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Ready for a double header of football tonight. <laughs> yeah, That's as, gonna a be pa- fun. as a Patriots fan, I am not ready for a double header of football tonight with uh, <laughs> Cam Newton out, Brian Hoyer in against Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Yeah, not looking forward to it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend this podcast as long as possible so I have to watch as little of it as. So I hope you guys are in for a four-hour-long podcast. I, are you concerned about the, the fact they actually have to go to Arrowhead? I don't think that's a – No, I, I, don't, I don't think home I'm not kidding about that. Thing well, anymore. it's more of the travel. I mean, the fact that they, like, traveled today and are getting in and then, yeah. But, uh, Clark, did anything notable happen to you today? Anything important? Yeah, the uh... – the Texans decided to look for a new head coach and general manager, and I am uh, not going to celebrate a man losing his job, but I will absolutely celebrate a new man or woman getting a new job piloting the Houston Texans. I am very excited. Oh, yeah. Cue the music. What a, what an achievement for all those who uh, who said Bill O'Brien was going to get fired before Dan Quinn or Adam Gase. Come get your prize. Yeah. Really surprised. I had just been resigned to the fact that Bill O'Brien was going to get to finish his rebuild, which, if I may remind folks, means the Texans still don't have a first-round pick in this coming up draft. So thanks for that, Bill. Yeah, really great news today at the old Home Depot, shopping for some trim to uh, finish trimming out one of the doors we're putting in. And I got a text from a friend saying, Bill O'Brien is not your head coach anymore. I was very excited. Yeah, yeah. You got to love the the internal like decision to be like, Bill O'Brien, sure. If you want to trade DeAndre Hopkins, that's okay. But if you lose four games to start the 2020 season, you're out. I'm very curious to understand what, well, yeah, what, what the, uh, what was the last straw? Was it, so he took back play calling last week. Yeah, go for it, Clark. So to me, the last straw was the Texans down by 20 points and on <laughs> first and 10 out of shotgun 
handing the ball to David Johnson <laughs> again. I saw that and I, I'm glad I was home alone because I don't usually yell about sports. Like I'm an internalizer. Like I don't need people. I threw a fit <laughs> out. My dog was so confused about what was happening when I was rewatching that game. So I hope that was the last draw because I saw that. I just could not believe what I was seeing. I think that, that would be super cool if, if I was just talking about this with a buddy of mine, I think it'd be really cool if the reason he was fired was because of play calling and like the overall scheme and not just that he like was finally found out to be the Grima worm tongue that he is. Like <laughs> I can see if, if the latter's the case, then Cornell is just going to like, you know, just keep O'Brien's playbook going. And then, you know, we're, we're still in the Creek with no paddle. But I really am hoping hoping that it was a, a, a structural change. It has to be everything, right? I mean, you would hope. You'd hope that they would think this is the opportunity to just be like, clearly things aren't working. Clearly our once incredible quarterback has had a subpar season, partially because we traded away his number one target, but also because this offense is not good. It's not a great structure. And so hopefully this will be a, a splash to get things going. So are they going to bring in like a new GM or like who's going to be running? Isn't what's his name? They're like spiritual guru guy, like seizing all power right now. So that's the curious part to me is like letting go of your head coach slash GM in the very early going of a season when I don't know if they have a contingency plan. I feel like you just let them finish out the year, hire somebody new and then let them, kind of install what they need to install over the off season. I'm just hoping that they didn't want to get the uh, first dibs on Adam Gase after he gets fired. That's like <laughs> my nightmare right now. Hey, he coached Peyton Manning. Yeah. I mean, did you see what he did with Peyton Manning? He'd be great for Deshaun Watson. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Oh, that God, would be the thing. worst fucking God, possible that would thing. Be, first that thought would be that popped great. in my head is don't celebrate yet. Oh, no. Wow, that that just, whew, we should probably move on before we really let that thought just stew in our minds and, and kind of ruin everything. Um, that being said, the NFL news we got going coming for us is uh, not something to be super excited about. As always, once the season begins, NFL news is basically just kind of a rundown of all the players who are injured. And again, we saw two big tight ends, tight ends, what the fuck am I talking about? Two big running backs go down with injury. Uh, Austin Eckler is out for significant time. I haven't seen an actual timeline for him, but it's a grade two hamstring strain, um, which means, Jordan, Joshua Kelly season is once again upon us. Yeah, it seems like that's the uh, general progression that's going to happen for the L.A. Chargers. It's just give the ball to their rookie who seems to be pretty talented and um, – from the jump when I saw him in the first game, I had this thought, like, are the Chargers one of those teams that has, like, a position group or wherever they draft somebody at that position? You're just like, yeah, I want to buy some stock in them. I mean, they've had from LT to Michael Turner to Melvin Gordon to Austin Eckler. And I don't think Josh Kelly is as good as those guys, but I think with um, the way the Chargers like to utilize their running backs, that he'll be a pretty good fantasy um, option in the meantime. Yeah, and after Eckler went down, they used uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. And I was really excited about Justin Jackson last year in limited action. 
he's coming back from some type of lingering leg injury and he looks like he was not all the way back. So I feel like Josh Kelly is in for some big workloads, at least for a couple of weeks, uh, unless they just decide to force the ball, uh, force a split between Jackson and Kelly. I do think that, uh, that both these guys are, are worth an ad because uh, what we've kind of seen from the Chargers is that they would kind of prefer a one-two punch. I, I mean, Herbert, he wants one guy to, to launch the rock to, which is what was so exciting about Eckler. I'm not really sure what the receiving profiles of these two backs are, but if one of them is superior in, in any way, that, that's the one that I would be trying to add. I know yeah, this Jackson. doesn't help a ton, and it's not a great statistical analysis. But Kelly looked very comfortable catching the ball. Kelly does look; he's had, and he's been pretty successful in that so far this season in a small dosage. But he had that one; he had one big play against the Chiefs that was the pass play. Uh, yeah, Joshua Kelly. Last time I looked, it, I'm sure it's probably gone up since then. But last time I looked, 54% rostered in Yahoo leagues, and Justin Jackson is 5% rostered. So if either of those guys are available in your league definitely go add them i as a austin eckler manager who had joshua kelly just a mere week ago and then dropped him this week uh i'm regretting all of my life choices so that's uh that's where i stand right now but there is a silver lining because as we move on i never want to you never want to root for an injury or you never want to celebrate an injury i will celebrate a person getting losing their job more first before uh uh getting injured but Nick Chubb is now out six weeks, uh, at least. I think I've seen that around with a uh, MCL injury. He got rolled up on in the Cowboys game, which, painful as it is, or, or, or sad as it is, as a Kareem Hunt manager, now I am quite pleased because Kareem Hunt is going to be launched into a much larger workload. That being said, the Browns still looked to uh, kind of split that workload. Uh, Dearness Johnson came in for Nick Chubb when he was injured. He carried the ball 13 times for 95 yards. He's owned in 1% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, so definitely someone to go get and, and add. And he'll be a very hot button topic, I'm sure, off the, on the waivers this week. Uh, just given the fact that this is a you know Kevin Stefanski offense, we know they'd love to run the football and emphasize that ground game and emphasize they've emphasized those two running backs so successfully to start this season. And with Kareem Hunt likely stepping into a larger role, I'm sure Dearness Johnson will also equally step into a, a, a role that will give him fantasy value. And he is 100% in your league, so you should definitely go get him. Yeah, I really like this. There's uh, always another DJ to be picked up, and Dearness Johnson is definitely he's the next guy. I I'm super curious to see how this breaks down. I imagine that that Hunt just kind of retains rights to the number three pass catcher on the team. And um, what do you think gets like eight more rushes a game, and then Johnson probably comes in with like at least ten and maybe as high as fifteen. I would just. Caution enthusiasm here. While the Browns have been using two running backs, they were using two of maybe the top 20 running backs in the league with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, the Cowboys are not good on defense, and the Browns did basically anything they wanted against this team, and as as have other teams rushing against the Cowboys. The next couple of matchups for the Browns are tough. I think that they have the Steelers, and who do they have next week? Stats and information is that's information. Colts. So Colts and Steelers, that's two tough matchups. So I think that Johnson's definitely an ad, but I wouldn't spend more than about 10 or 15% of my fab budget. And if I had a really high waiver priority, if that's how my league did it, I'd be really cautious 
uh, going out to get him. Now, having said that, Hunt has been banged up for the beginning of the season too. And so you are getting a little extra pop of he is the next man up if Hunt goes down. And that's a big slice of uh, an offense there for the Browns uh, running backs. Yeah, th- yeah, those are super good points. I just think, the like you said, Hunt's, Hunt's nursing the groin injury. So that's, we just need to monitor that. Yeah, the, the Steelers next week will make it especially tough. They got an unexpected break this week, so they'll be coming in fresh. The Colts are no slouches on defense this year. And uh, I'd still like um, Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, if you were, uh, if you're doing this right, you've already had him rostered and, you know, you're not afraid to play him even when Nick Chubb is still on the field. And I saw earlier today that uh, Wyatt Teller, uh, the Browns guard is like the highest rated guard over the past four years. Um, so the the offensive line for the Browns is really what's starting to come together and is kind of a, a pretty easy schedule and a good offensive line play is helping them get some green one right now. Continuing to move on in running back injury news, uh, Sony Michelle was placed on IR today uh, with a quad injury, which is a bummer because I was really high on him. He can't, was coming off of a career game against the Raiders and, and not only just like one that he put up good numbers, but he also looked the best I've ever seen him play. He looked decisive in his moves. He looked uh, like his knees weren't bothering him. He looked like he had, he never has had breakaway speed, but he looked like he was, he was breaking tackles. He was making people miss. These are the things as a Patriots fan, you love to see, but of course, because he's Sony Michelle and can't stay on the field for longer than a week, he is on IR, uh, which means that the Patriots have brought Damon Harris off of injured reserve. He is actually, I think, I mean, he should be taking the field as we speak uh, amidst Monday Night Football. He's available in 30% of Yahoo leagues. And let's not forget, he had actually won the job in preseason or in training camp, but then was placed on IR with a thumb injury, I believe. Um, so he is likely starting, he's likely coming in and within the next couple of weeks with Sony Michelle out and that backfield still kind of figuring out what it is, especially if Cam Newton's going to miss some time. Damon Harris, a nice player to uh, keep your eyes on. Keep him peeled. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely am going to stick with my, my old Dan Rex Burkhead here. I think that... Nothing wrong with Sexy Rexy. I, uh, I made my fake team's debut telling everybody to draft him in the third round two years ago. <laughs> Um, never waver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, he looked so good last week. He had the workload and, uh, I know James White wasn't there, but I do think that, that, uh, just being the veteran who, you know, he's hot off a good performance. Belichick's going to be interested in keeping him going. I'm sure he will give Harris, uh, possibilities or uh, opportunities, but with the, the quarterback situation, so tenuous, I, 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 you tell me, Pete, you, you're the guy to answer all these questions here, but I, I'd imagine that he, he's going to really try to just rely on the guys he knows he can rely on. Yeah, I think that – I think with Brian Hoyer under center, it's going to be force feed Julian Edelman, and it is going to be run the football with their stable of running backs. The one thing that I will take and, – and we'll see. Obviously, we'll know more after – I mean, it's a, it's a rush game plan, obviously, for that's going on tonight for Kansas City. But – um but I, I take solace in the fact that Harris won the job right at, outright to start the year and just injuries was what prevented him from playing a bunch so far. So I'll be curious to see whether or not that confidence is still there. And if we see 
a lead back or if what you're saying is we see what we've been seeing which is like a lot of guys getting a lot of touches and it's just you pick what week you think your guy's gonna go off did stidham get injured why no the the thought there i would assume is is just the fact that brian hoyer has been in mcdaniel's offense multiple times that they were like on a short week where this kind of came out of nowhere. We are going to go with the veteran who we know could run a offense that we have at least implemented in the past. And maybe Stidham runs, comes in for week five, depending on how long cams out. I just wanted to bring that up to victory lap. All of the people who were <laughs> saying the absolutely ridiculous, like Stidham may start over cam Stidham's not starting over Ryan Hoyer. So <laughs> let's put that to bed. Uh, Hoyer, though, does have a little Ryan Fitzpatrick in him. I had the pleasure of watching him pilot the Texans for a little while. He is not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he is kind of fearless. He will sling it in tonight against the uh, Chiefs. I think that he's going to have to. He is totally competent. If you were going, if you're thinking, uh, you know, Brian Hill or Julian Edelman in the flex, I would rather still go with Edelman. So I don't think that the Patriots fantasy-wise take a huge hit, although it is a hit. Uh, I think if you're counting on a touchdown from a running back, this is a boost for you uh, with Cam being out. But just Brian, Brian Hoyer is no slouch. He's a very good backup quarterback. You don't think they're going to run the QB power on the goal line with Brian Hoyer? No, Brian Hoyer is a very <laughs> small man by NFL standards. That was going to be my point, too, is that as long as Cam Newton, and you hope that if he's truly ill, that he comes back like and. Uh, this doesn't keep him down for long, but as long as Cam Newton is uh, out of the football game, then your running backs, whoever it might be in New England, might have some sort of chance to get a red zone touchdown. But uh, Sony Michelle coming in or coming after Week Three was the number two running back by DVOA, but by fantasy purposes, he was RB forty two. So he was very efficient, but wasn't getting you the right points that you need. Um, now that things are different with both Michelle and Cam Newton out of the game, you don't know how that's going to evolve. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm hesitant on Damian Harris or Rex Burkhead or Corey Dillon, whoever they get to come back and run the pass football. Let's do it. Corey Dillon. Finally in the news, Christian McCaffrey is hoping for a week six return. So just ending with a little good news. Dude, how good is Mike Davis? He's been balling. He has been, been uber it. balling. So, so, so then on his question here, is Christian McCaffrey that good? No, obviously. It. It's very clear at this point. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Your job Clark, is Clark, it's a joke. Clark, it's a joke. Average at best. I don't even enjoy this being a joke. <laughs> no, but it, it is funny. So just uh, two seconds, just kind of circling back to the, the Chargers running back thing. It's interesting when you just, throw the ball to a running back, what happens? Like, they're an NFL player. Surprise, they can catch. And it's so efficient to throw it to them. They're all going to look pretty good doing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good for Mike Davis. I, somebody was joking that he should hold out for a contract. I absolutely support <laughs> him in this. Like, milk this for all that you can. Oh, man. All right, well, there's your news. Uh, and before we get into some buy low candidates uh, for your fantasy league, let's quickly knock out. We talked to a couple of guys on waiver wire on the waiver who you should be adding. Uh, who are some other guys that people are interested in? Nick, let's start with you. Yeah. So hopefully this gets uh, contentious and, and kind of hurtful. Um, for me, I, I, uh, I got to chase after Chase Edmonds. The 
Chase the passing game. Nice. Thank you. The the passing game splits between Kenyon Drake and and Edmonds are just stark. I, I think it um, Drake's at like four <laughs> targets on the season, which is wild because uh, last year obviously he was this dual threat back. I was super high on him in the draft process. Uh, at this point, Edmonds is already up to seventeen, and I, I kind of signaled that something like this might happen uh, breaking down the games last week just because I thought that he might end up getting some slot receiver time just with how banged up everybody is but he's kind of just catching passes everywhere I think he's a really good running back I perhaps not no uh, no Christian McCaffrey but could he perform like Mike Davis if given the opportunity I think so and I, and I think that uh, the workload that he has right now I mean if he's going to come close to Drake's touches but all of the majority of his are coming through the air at this point, that's the, the Cardinals back that I want. Uh, I don't have the, the numbers, the waiver wire numbers off the top of my head or, or excuse me, his, uh, his like, I think he's percentage. like 30 ish percent roster on Yahoo for yeah, okay. uh, 34%. But yeah, I, I think he's an, an awesome speculative ad. And uh, I, I, what do you guys see? Do you think that there's any chance that Edmonds just overtakes Drake outright? Cause he appears to just be either used or is better used more or is better in the passing game. So Edmonds has been getting a lot of the kind of two-minute drill work when the Cardinals are moving fast. Edmonds is in there, and I think that those are those can be tricky situations to tease out of the box score because defenses are playing back and playing prevent style. But Edmonds is taking advantage of them. Uh, another thing that makes this complicated for me is that full disclosure here: I was not really big on Kenyon Drake coming into the season, and so that may be shading my opinion here but Kenyon Drake has not looked good early for the Cardinals offense so I feel like that job is open for the taking unless there's just some stubborn coaching I don't think anyone's really looked that great outside of Chase Edmonds doing what he thinks so I'm curious to see if you know Benjamin can get on the field and if we can see something from him I think the Cardinals have been sputtering the past two weeks because they haven't been doing a lot of the things that they were doing last year late in the season with Kenyon Drake. Um, looking at the efficiency numbers, uh, Chase Edmonds has a minus DVOA and only 14 effective yards out of like his actual yards is 43, I think. So he, he is, to your point, Clark, doing a lot in that space of uh, – you know, having opposing defenses play like a prevent defense. So they're backing up a little bit. Um, so I, I would kind of argue the other way that Drake is still being an efficient running back. It's just, they're not really doing what they need to be doing with him. And I, I think that's kind of showing throughout the entire offense with the Cardinals, like Tyler Murray isn't as prolific as he was the first two weeks. And DeAndre Hopkins is really the only guy who's worth rostering on the Cardinals at this point or at least starting week to week because he's still getting 10 to 12 targets per game and who knows maybe that kind of force feeding mentality is kind of altering the way that they're doing things right now yeah I uh we'll be talking about Kenyon Drake later so I have lots I have lots to say on the matter I but I will say I don't disagree with Chase Edmonds I think you should definitely add him because he is has he has a role as a pass catcher in this offense and that role has I mean, what is he currently? He's RB 36 and PPR. He's available in the league. I was holding on to him until I just had to drop him because of all of what's going on. So that's good to the other 11 people there, that care about there that. There you one. go, everyone else in Clark's league. Uh, Clark, who are you adding off waivers? So let's see here. 
again, the trip to Home Depot really put me off that game today. Uh, so this one's not especially amazing, but we're getting into the bye weeks here. So there's going to be some quarterbacks missing some time. And uh, Herbert is still Herbert for the Chargers is still in that window of they don't have four games of film on him. He's been putting up good numbers. So uh, I don't think that he's going to be fantastic for the rest of the year. I think that he's still doing okay because one, because he's got some hoots, but he does not mind throwing it to covered receivers. And fortunately those receivers are Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry who do pretty well going up to get the ball. Uh, but for the next couple of games, we can still, I think, really comfortably expect good performances out of him. So to fill in for the buys, or if we start seeing more games being postponed, I think Justin Herbert's a good ad for QB temporarily. Or if you're like me and, and play in a super flex league and Cam Newton was one of your quarterbacks, I I need someone to absolutely. Uh, if you're in, in super flex and he's available, you should spend very you should spend a lot of your fab to try and spend get him. very many fab on him. Year. Yeah. yeah. Jordan, who you like off waivers? Um, okay. I did unmute. Um, yeah. One of the waiver ads we already touched on um, Joshua Kelly. I can talk a little bit more about him or I can move to my next one. Go to your next one. All right. Well, next one, uh, big Bob Tanyan for the green Bay Packers. Uh, he, he started off to a, a slow start in the first uh, game or so, but since then he has uh, 10 and a half and 16 points in PPR over the last two outings. Um, as of week three, he's the third ranked tight end by DVOA and seventh by DYAR. Um, Devonte Adams, it kind of remains to be seen if he'll play tonight. He tweeted that he wasn't playing, but then he deleted that tweet. And I don't know, regardless, um, they also lost Alan Lazard to an injury for an extended period of time. So, um, definitely looking like more opportunity for a tight end that um, was in a little bit of a tricky situation with how many um, tight ends that the Packers like to play, but Tanyan is still playing at least 60% of the snaps um, in every game. Uh, and he's only 7.9% rostered in ESPN leagues. So if you need somebody who's just a spot start at tight end or a flex, uh, we already saw like guys like Kittle go down. Um, to injury so if something like that happens to a top guy again it's good to have a, a decent backup who can at least get you double digit points and wasn't Tanyan didn't he come in to get drafted by the Packers as kind of like the, supposedly with the tool set to be the like Kyle Juszczyk guy where he no, can that's that different dude ignore that's me not then. him but he he did. Uh, he did work out with George Kittle this off season. So oh, you, you know, oh, how so he's much basically George Kittle. The the workouts, yeah. Oh, so you're adding George Kittle off of waivers. Who says no to that? So that makes sense because four for fours. Uh, John Paulson has referred to him as Baby Kittle for like like throughout training camp. So that everything is is falling into place now. This makes sense. Perfect. Perfect. The narrative is there. So that's no fewer than two uh, Packers fans who are telling you to go get him. Uh, my guy to go get waivers is we, I feel like we've seen enough out of T Higgins and this Bengals offense to trust him for the rest of the year. Uh, he at seven targets caught four of them for 77 yards against the Jags. AJ green has just been hot pile of garbage. I mean, I hate to see it, but uh, he is just hasn't been able to do anything. And the fact that the Bengals are just chucking the ball around, uh, let me think, Joe Burrow so far is averaging, oh, the lowest number of attempts Joe Burrow has thrown so far this year is 36. 
which is absurd. So the Bengals are just going to like, they love to chuck the ball around. Uh, and Higgins being seemingly the number two wide receiver next to Tyler Boyd, that's uh, that's good fantasy value out there. And he's 33% rostered, so go at him. Yeah, I like this. The Bengals passing game is looking really good uh, with Joe Burrow. I always kind of downplay rookie quarterbacks and how good they're going to be because we really like to anoint folks during draft season and forget this is a really hard game to play. But Burrow, I have to admit, has looked fantastic. Uh, he needs to not be throwing the ball so much, but that's not his fault. The long meandering point here is that passing game looks great, except for when they try to throw the ball to A.J. Green. And I, it physically pains me to say this, but A.J. Green no longer has it. And no. so the Bengals would be well served to move on, and T. Higgins would be a great part of that plan. Yeah, T. Higgins, you kind of just hope is a good football player because uh, just based on his measurables, it wasn't really looking like he was going to be uh, anything too special, but I guess that goes to show you can't really put everything on measurables. Um, but I would argue that T Higgins is a pretty significant spot start because over the next two games, they play the Ravens and Colts, and then they still have two more games against the Steelers, which is tough. That is tough. That is tough. Yeah. We'll I think, I mean, I've obviously been a huge detractor of Higgins. I think the way that they that they used him two weeks ago was awesome. He had like four red zone targets, and they obviously paid off. Um, if they continue to use him as sort of like a souped-up tight end, I think that that's definitely the kind of role that, that he can succeed in. Like, you know, not not asking him to go be a downfield guy, but just sort of like a big, tall dude in the short-to-intermediate era area. That said, his average target air yards is pretty deep. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be skeptical until I see him like just totally succeed in that, that downfield role. But if, if they continue to use him intelligently, which like I, coaching might just be the most important thing, regardless, you know, like excluding talent and everything else. Uh, yeah, he, he might be. So uh, he, he might be a, a pretty good ad. Uh, just to keep you guys updated, uh, Damian Harris leads the Patriots backfield with three carries for nine yards. No one else has uh, seen a carry or touch. So basically go at Damian Harris. Mm-hmm. So all of my, all uh, there was a man named uh, Zuber, actually, who got a carry, and I don't know who that is. Uh, yes, Isaiah Zuber. This is now the second game in a row that he has had a carry and gained positive yards. So they uh, Isaiah, Zuber. Isaiah Zuber. Isaiah Zuber. Waiver wire if, priority number one. I was going to ask if they met him at the airport or something. Just like, hey, do you want to <laughs> play football? <laughs> hey, you you look like you can run pretty fast. Do you want to come play football for us? Yeah, that's uh, that's the current state of the New England Patriots. All right, we're going to get to some buy low candidates, but before we do that, let's take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. And as we are through the first quarter of the season, basically, technically, there's two games currently going on. But, you know, you'll be listening to this when uh, week four is over and completed. Four games through the season. Now is the time. I like this time is to start looking at uh, trades, making improving my roster, trying to buy low on some guys who maybe have started the year a little slow, but I have faith in them that they will produce as the season moves along. So we're going to throw out some names, uh, and I'll start us off. I decided to dedicate this buy low candidate to my wife, <clears throat> Rebecca Rogers, who's been very disappointed in DJ Moore and does not like the fact that I recommended she drafted him. Uh, so hopefully this will set her at ease. Uh, it's been a rough start for more and watching Robbie Anderson take off has has not been like really great for those who, uh, for those who drafted DJ Moore with the expectation that he was going to be the clear cut wide receiver one in Carolina. That being said, his stats aren't bad is just the fact that he hasn't scored. And that's the biggest blemish. He accounts for almost 50% of the Panthers team air yards, uh, leads the team in target percentage and has the highest average distance per target with 12 plus yards, which all goes to show that he is getting targeted down the field, uh, which means that his catch percentage, which is currently pretty low, it's 53%. But if that returns to his career average, which is like 65, so it's almost 10% more balls that he's catching the yards are there for him to suddenly become this, what the explosive player we thought he was going to be. He plays the Falcons two out of the next four weeks, which are perfect get right games in the words of Clark Barnes. Uh, so now's the time to buy him before he gets those games and before he's able to kind of get right and hopefully see what we were expecting from him uh, in this offense. I'm definitely like a little bit up on the Carolina offense. Uh, they're definitely going to have to pass a lot to stay in football games. We know that. But I uh, I started Teddy Bridgewater in a league to make up for Cam Newton being out. And I was really enjoying seeing on my phone, like I would get a notification from the sleeper app, like Teddy Bridgewater made a big player. Teddy Bridgewater did this. And I was like, that's cool. Teddy Bridgewater is starting to do something. So maybe if that offense is starting to click. And like you said, two games against the Atlanta Falcons, that might be a very good uh, get right situation. Uh, yeah, I obviously endorse all of these things. Uh, Teddy was a guy said, so don't leave your draft without he, his range of outcomes is like, it is remarkable where if it's a difficult matchup, it's like put him on your bench and don't even think about it. And then if it's a good matchup, he's a, a quarterback one, which is outstanding. Um, DJ Moore has weirdly become Robbie Anderson. His is, as you were talking about, like the way they're using him is just a downfield receiver. And it's not a surprise that Robbie Anderson is successful because he looked great in New York, you know, just with Adam Gase, just can't yeah. help himself. But I didn't expect him to just suddenly be like fantastic. Like I thought this dude could be a really talented downfield guy, but he's being used all over the place. Uh, I, I think it was something like I, someone was on Twitter today was saying it, like half of his yards are, are after the catch. Like he's just working it in the yeah. short intermediate area. Anyway, I think the whole, Whole, uh, the the offense as a whole is, is just a real nice buy if possible. Clark, who's uh, who's a guy you're looking to buy low in fantasy right now? Well, I'm going to change it up and do a twofer here. Uh, the Texans have just changed head coaches, which uh, is very good, I think, for everyone. I think we're going to get the yay, the witch is dead bump a la Wizard of Oz. So the Texans have gotten all of the all of their tough games 
out of the way other than two matchups against the Colts. So the Texans will take on in order the Jaguars, the Titans, the Packers, the Jaguars, the Browns. Oh, okay. The Patriots, the Lions, the Colts, the Bears, the Colts, and then the Bengals in your Super Bowl. So I think it's a really great time to make moves for your Texans who have struggled. So Will Fuller was the guy that I was going to talk about. But looking at that schedule, I even think David Johnson and Duke Johnson uh, are worth going to get. Duke Johnson's probably a waiver wire ad. Uh, I would much rather have him as the running back instead of David Johnson, who looks like a good auxiliary pass catching piece. Uh, let's give somebody else a chance to run the ball up the middle. But go out and get your Texans. Will Fuller, he had a pretty good game. Uh, last week catching a touchdown almost catching two touchdowns one of those one feet away from having a monster day but I think there's brighter things ahead for the Texans now as their schedule gets a little bit easier so good time to go target them I also would add Deshaun Watson to that list he's the QB 13 and I think people drafted him with the expectation of him being you know like a top five quarterback in fantasy Um, but like you said I mean the, the the games that they played were Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then Minnesota. And he and he did well against Minnesota. But hopefully with Bill O'Brien not being there anymore and hopefully an offense that maybe is a little more uh, functioning, shall we say. Uh, I like I like your call, Clark, to just kind of like buy Texans players and, and hope for a renaissance. Jordan, what you got? So staying in the AFC South, I'm going to see if I can try to get my hands on Corey Davis uh, for the Titans. He's currently averaging 13.9 PPR points per game, um, but is only a wide receiver 41. Um, and just given his uh, current rank in DVOA and DYAR, which is eighth and sixth respectively, I think that efficiency could um, lead to some larger gains down the road. I know the Titans are largely considered a, a run first team, but I think once um, AJ Brown comes back. Corey Davis could actually benefit from that. Um, you know, might be able to free him up to do a little bit more things. Um, and the Titans have to play the Colts twice yet. Um, so they have one of the top pass defenses in the leagues, but they do have a bunch of soft schedule or soft schedule defenses coming up. They play the Texans and Jags uh, two additional times or one time each, I should say. And they also play the Bengals. So if you can get Corey Davis in a good spot start flex situation, especially as we hit these uh, heavy string of bye weeks coming up, or if we keep on having repeats of what happened this weekend where we have games that are delayed or um, postponed where people have to switch their buys, you might have to do some tricky things. And it's always good to have a player um, like Corey Davis who you know can be a, a good spot starting and get you some good points on any given Sunday. And I don't think it would cost you a whole lot to pick him up. Yeah. I like Corey Davis a lot. I, I like the fact that he's kind of finally, things seem to be clicking with him uh, in this Titans offense. And we know that he, I mean, he came in with a ton of draft pedigree. Obviously they took him, what is like fourth overall. Am I crazy? Showing that? It was like a top five pick. I thought kind of ridiculous. Fifth, sixth, very into your hand. All right. But yeah, I think it was five, five. Boom. Uh, Anyways, so so like the fact that I think things are clicking now and we've seen with this, like this offense at its best doesn't pass the ball a lot, but it passes the ball extremely effectively. And I do think that there is room for two receivers to be able to give you fantasy production. Um, so I like I like the call of buying Corey Davis. I also think you can buy A.J. Green pretty uh, A.J. Brown, excuse me, pretty low uh, if it's a manager who is like 
desperate to get someone who's going to take the field, this is obviously your last chance, but uh, you might be able to swoop in and, and maybe not like get him on the cheap, but, but not be able to not have to pay up for what he was going to cost you at the end of last year. One thing I want to, I might, I might need a correction on here. I said wide receiver 41 for Corey Davis, but I could have sworn he was like around 28th last week. So I might've been going off the sleeper rankings where it's just total points. And because he didn't play this week, he doesn't have those additional points. To Let's take a gander stats and information is on it. If we go by average, well, that'd be really helpful. It could make it. Yeah. Yeah. If he might get lost in the shuffle, people aren't going to be scrolling down that far. They say, Oh, wide receiver 41. Yeah. yeah. I'll get rid of him. 20, the, the team does have a pretty tough matchup this week, which might like make it a bit more of a, uh, uh, I, uh, perhaps an even more opportune time to get them. Cause I believe they're facing off, uh, with the, the bills this week, which they, obviously they provide lockdown coverage on the interior or the exterior. So nobody's nobody, no receiver needy team is going to be like, Oh man, I got to go get this perimeter receiver. Who's going against the, the bills this week. And so, yeah, if you, if you were to add them right now, uh, you know, you bench him for a week and, and then it's all systems go. 30 in half point PPR by average. Not bad. Yeah. And Pete, since you mentioned it, I'll just skip the line. AJ Brown's my target here. Uh, I know he was drafted with high hopes, but we're at the point of the season where someone could be staring at one and three and losing patience with injured players on their team. So I don't think that Corey Davis is a bad call at all, especially because you should be able to get him for, you know, pretty inexpensively he was probably a waiver wire ad for someone if he's not still on the waiver wire but i'd go ahead and make your offer for aj brown knowing that the bills are coming up but after that like the texans pretty cake lineup there for the titans and pete as you mentioned they're uh, not throwing the ball for 400 yards a game but they are doing it well uh, efficiently when they are doing it aj brown catching the ball in stride is still going to be extremely dangerous so kind of last chance to go get him before he bursts back on the scene Yes, and I would like to offer a formal apology to Clark because I had that in my notes and somehow I completely ignored it to make my point. And That's, I'm sorry, Clark. We'll forgive you. All right, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, a quick check-in on the Patriots' backfield, you guys. James White has one carry for two yards and a catch for uh, 13 yards as well as a tackle. Damian Harris still three carries for nine yards. So. A tackle? A tackle, so. yes. Brian Hoyer threw an interception. Uh, best Brian Hoyer back. confirmed not great at football. But Brian fine. Hoyer ah. spelled that interception too. It wasn't <laughs> Did he really. One. Yeah. It oh was- God damn it! <laughs> You'll have to rewind the podcast, but I believe I said he was Fitzpatrick esque, and I said so quite on purpose. Yes. Well, well noted, Clark. Uh, Nick, who's the buy low guy for you? It's Miles Sanders because the Eagles Miles are a Sanders. fucking dumpster fire. Nick's boy can't say no. So. What I'm leaning on here, I don't have the the snap count numbers for this week, but a lot of this is is just usage. So obviously he was out in week one, and and whoever drafted him at the back of the first round or early second was hurting. Week two, 77% of snaps. Week three, 78. His his touch totals, I'm not going to waste everybody's time reading them off, but they're friggin' high. Uh, the, the, The dude... Sorry, sorry. Read uh, up, read up, read I mean, up. it just the what, what you hear so often is that his usage is is like is not high enough. I mean, the dude, I guess he's getting out snapped by David Johnson, but like his his usage is really high, and it's just that this team, 
I, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that Frank Reich and John Filippo were the, the engines of this, or the, the brain engines of this offense, and that Doug Peterson is just a total fraud because I don't understand the way that he's running this team right now. Yeah, Get I'm going wrecked, there. Doug. So, anyway, I mean, like, how do you roll Carson West out there with this, this, this like, these offensive lines? They're like, let's just keep bombing it to, to DJX or whoever we have running out. Like, alter this, the scheme. This is crazy. Anyway, uh, that kind of usage, though, is going to end up paying off, and the, the, the matchups do get a bit easier. I uh, foolishly don't have it in front of me at the moment, but – um, I, I think they, they, they have a tough one coming up and then it's, I believe it's, it's uh, soft sledding. So anyway, take it away. Tell me why I'm wrong. No, I love to hear this because as a Miles Sanders manager, I want him to, to have a bounce back and you're totally right. And this will be a nice little segue Nicholas into my guy, but the usage is there and that you like, you can't argue against the fact that they are getting the majority of Miles Sanders is getting the majority of the work in a backfield that is like his, he's getting passing work, he's getting rushing work. And it's just the fact that this offense can't like put together a good drive uh, and can't do anything. And you're hoping that as the season moves along and as things kind of get more, you know, uh, uh, as things kind of gel more and they go up against maybe lesser opponents. I don't know how bad, let me try to pull up their schedule. I mean, San Francisco, they just had, who else have they played? Uh, it's, it's, they, have, they have Baltimore oh, and Pittsburgh coming up next but then after that giants dallas bye, and then again giants browns seahawks green bay new orleans arizona dallas like it it's nice a lot of blow up spots yeah yeah no and i i like that i like that too also it's miles sanders is a perfect candidate for like someone with high draft pedigree who can still perform but people are i'm sure are panicking with them I was going to make the case for Miles Sanders because he's like RB 29 right now. And I need to convince myself that Miles Sanders will do better this season. Um, but I was actually using the sharp football stats and I was looking at the rush blend defenses and it actually kind of gets tough for the Eagles coming up. Um, that's just run defenses. So they got to start utilizing Miles Sanders in more creative ways in the passing game, which, if you're doing full point PPR leagues, that's much better for you anyway. And um, narratively speaking, I think the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line has been through just a gamut of different things. People retiring, people getting injured, shuffling people from tackle to guard back to tackle. Like that's just a crew that needs to come together and start to gel. Um, I hoping that the more reps they get, that they, that'll start to happen for them and they can actually be able to move the football a little bit more effectively without having Carson Wentz under duress because Carson Wentz, he also needs to start playing a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, like I said, Nick, I'll segue this into my second one, which is Kenyon Drake. And I'm going to talk about Kenyon Drake because he, the workload is there. He leads the Cardinals backfield in carries by a wide margin yards, snap percentage leads the team entire team in red zone rush attempts with eight Kyle Murray is second with five. Um, he's similar to more to me. And that is the lack of touchdowns that have really killed him. And I wouldn't say that like, if you look at their, the combined numbers between chase Edmonds and, and Kenyon Drake, and this is why I feel fine with Kenyon Drake, like Kenyon Drake has seen has never seen less than 63 percent of the snaps while uh 
Chase Edmonds has never seen above 40. So maybe things will drastically change. Um, and maybe we'll see a rebalancing, but Chase Edmonds hasn't been significantly better on the ground as a rusher. It's been through the passing game that he's been really productive. And I don't think that that, I don't think that Chase Edmonds has, has shown so much on the ground that he would then warrant the bulk share of touches. Whereas, you know, Kenyon Drake has had one game where he's averaged under three and a half, 3.8 yards per carry. And that was this week against Carolina, which isn't great, but he got injured. Um, other than that, he's seen 16, 20, 18 touches, all of which going for above 60 yards. I just think that it's a matter of the touchdowns and it's, and it's the lack of the passing game that has a lot of people down. All of this to say is I don't think that Kenyon Drake will be the running back that he was drafted as, nor that we saw last year. But I think because you're going to be buying him from a Kenyon Drake manager who's panicking and like wanting to just get anything in return, I think you can get him as like a reliable flex RB2 guy and pay for that as opposed to what you would have had to pay for him to draft, which is, you know, RB1 top 12 status. Um, so I just think that the regression, if his touchdown regression does come, you know, in a positive way, he's going to see more goal line scoring opportunities to go along with his 18 touches per game that he's averaging, which is, you know, that's, that's reliable uh, production. Those are really great points. I think that uh, uh, from what I've been, the, the chatter that I've been hearing is that the, the, the horizontal air raid has kind of returned where it's just this dink and dunk offense. And I don't know if that's because uh, Kirk got hurt, although Andy Isabella should be a full-time player yeah. or uh, DeAndre Hopkins ankle, but perhaps what ends up happening is they revert to like a closer version of their 2019 self where partway through the season, they just ditched trying to run so many plays and started running the ball uh, a lot and a lot more effectively uh, spreading mm-hmm. the defense out. I, I don't know. Maybe it can be some sort of like Cleveland junior uh, backfield. And that's, that's, yeah, that's the kind of vibe that I'm feeling. And I think that that's both of them would be then productive enough in an offense. That's, you know, like the Cardinals where we've seen it be so explosive and that's Cliff Kingsbury's whole vibe. Uh, both of them would have legit fantasy value then. To the point of the horizontal air raid coming back and uh, last week, myself gassing up Andy Isabella as a potential uh, spot start. Isabella had three targets, two catches, and two or three yards. Three yards. So <laughs> it's, that's not what you want from a guy with that athletic profile and not what you want from that offense. Kyler Murray's got a great arm. Like, yeah, use it. All right, Nick, wrap us up. Yeah, man, let's hit it. So this one's just been giving me fits. I, I always end up punting on the tight end position in season long just because I, I uh, my, my analysis leads me to believe that mid-round picks on tight ends are more trap picks than anything else. So the, the man that I've been trying to mine in many leagues is the Washington football team's Logan Thomas. Uh, so his, as of right now, just going to uh, check, taking a look at his uh, his snap counts over the last few weeks, 74%, 91%, 85%, and we don't have the numbers in, but uh, for this week, or week four that is, but I mean, that, that that is like elite snap share, and then just looking at his overall targets, I mean, he, he's got an 18.18, 18, 18.18 uh, target market share on the team is second highest on the team. And that's, that's just uh, general targets, but he's also he's got a 25% red zone target share uh, second highest on the team behind Terry McLaurin too. 
I, I, last week, I, I think we might have talked about it, where Rich Rebar was saying that he had like the lowest amount of catchable balls uh, in the league and or across uh, at, at the position. And, you know, this week he gets uh, like three catches for eight yards or something impossible. And this is one where Dwayne Haskins went over 300 yards. That said, they don't seem to be wanting to go anywhere else. Like they just keep giving him the, they, the, they, the give, they're giving him the snaps, they're giving him the targets and they're giving him the targets in the red zone. That kind of a use, usage profile, I just think is going to start clicking. And if Haskins doesn't get, like if he doesn't start making strides, Rivera's already said the heat is on here. We could see Kyle Allen, which I, I might actually be like a, a better short to intermediate area passer than Haskins, or, or at least might lock on to uh, to Logan Thomas a little bit more. So right now I'm staying the course and uh, I think you could get him either for free or from his frustrated owner for not a whole lot. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure how much longer Steven Sims is going to be out, um, but those are definitely some good targets to go elsewhere. And Dontrell Inman has been like the wide receiver too, but uh, I mean, he's Dontrell Inman. So yeah, Logan Thomas, if, like with those, that red zone target share and the percentage of snaps that he's just on the football field is, is really great. And that's, that's exactly what you want from a tight end. Um, all right. Well, finally, before we go, uh, just your final update for the Patriots backfield. James White now has two receptions for 13 yards. I don't know what happened to his other rush. I guess they took that away. Damian Harris, six carries for 25 yards. Uh, and Rex Burke had three carries for 20 yards. So there you go. Brian Hoyer, 0.48 points in fantasy. Well done, Brian. You are thriving while the rest of us are dying. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you not only get us, uh, but also your fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan un- underscore Smith 27. And Nick uh, at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you on Thursday to talk week five starts and sits. Until then. Peace.